Chapter 44 of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Cullum. No Quarter by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter 44. Out in the Storm. Though clear and placid had been the sky when the two colonels stood by the buckstone, in a few hours after it was all clouded. Night had descended, but in addition to its natural darkness, the white fleecy cumuli along the western horizon had turned black at the setting of the sun, then rolled upward, overspreading heaven's whole canopy as with a pall. But the obscurity was not continuous. The extreme sultriness of the day had disturbed the electrical equilibrium of the atmosphere, resulting in a thunderstorm of unusual violence. At intervals, vivid sheets of lightning illumined the firmament, while red zigzagging bolts like arrows on fire pierced the opaque clouds, bringing down rain as at the deluge. Between the flashes all was darkness, so dense that a traveller on the forest roads must needs stop till the blaze came again, else run the risk of straying from the track, possibly to bring up against the trunk of a tree. But it was a night on which no traveller would think of venturing forth, and one already on the road would make for the nearest shelter. Yet were there traveller abroad, or at least men on horseback, who neither sought this nor seemed to regard the raging elements. About a mile from High Meadow House on the Colford Road, a party of four might be seen seated in the saddle under a spreading tree. That they were not sheltering from the rain could be told by its pouring down upon them through the leaves quickly as elsewhere, and their being already wet to the skin. Shadow for concealment was evidently their object, though at intervals the lightning interfered with it. But they were in such position as to command a view of the road, and anyone coming along it, before being themselves observed. As now and then the blue electrical light gleamed around them, it could be seen that they were in uniform, an officer and three common troopers, one with trumpet in hand, while their attitude of listening proclaimed them on picket duty. A vidette, it was, stationed to watch the approaches and give warning to a larger force. Another might have been found at no great distance off in a sequestered glade of the forest, some hundreds of horsemen, who, as the party under the tree were all in their saddles and alike disregarding the rain. Silent as spectres were they, here and there only a muttered word, with the champing of bits, and occasionally the louder clink of scabbard against stirrup, as some horses shied at the blinding flash. They too seemed listening, as indeed were they, especially a group of officers near the outgoing of the glade, listening for a signal preconcerted and expected to come from the trumpeter under the tree. Nor were these the only soldiers abroad and voluntarily exposing themselves to that drenching storm, while it was, at its worst, a party of horse issued out of Monmouth and crossed the Wye Bridge, took the route up Kymen Hill. 
a small body it was about forty in all with but two officers he who commanded and a cornet with their arms and accoutrements as the light caparison of their horses proclaiming them on scout as the lightning flashed upon a banneret carried by the cornet it could be seen to bear the emblem of a crown while other specialities of uniform and equipment betokened the little troop as belonging to the army of the king and therefore hostile to those halted in the forest glade whose insignia told them to be of the opposite party it wanted an hour or more of midnight when the party from monmouth after surmounting the Cayman steep entered staunton to find the villagers still awake and stirring they had received news of massey's departure from the neighbourhood so hastily as to seem a retreat and indeed knew the reason or supposed they did from the contents of that colford dispatch most of them being of royalist proclivities they were sitting up in jubilance over the event the soldiers made but short halt among them just long enough to get answer to some inquiries then on to high meadow house why thither none of the rank and file knew not even the cornet alone their commanding officer who kept the true reason to himself giving a spurious one that his object was to make sure of the place being in reality abandoned a weak force as they were it would not do to advance further along the colford road should there chance to be an enemy in their rear this seemed reasonable enough nor were the men loath to accept it on such a night shelter was above all things desirable and they were sure to find snug quarters at the mansion of high meadow hoping their commander would let them stay there till the storm came to an end just as they turned off the high road or scarce a minute after a solitary figure came gliding along from the staunton side and passed on towards colford a foot it was wrapped in a cloak with hood which covering the head left visible only a portion of the face tall and of masculine proportions otherwise it might have been taken as the figure of a man but for a certain boldness yet softness of outline which betokened it that of a woman and a woman it was the cadgeress she had followed the royalist troopers from staunton silently stealthily and at safe distance behind but as they turned off the main road she still keeping to it broke into a run not slowing again till she stood under the tree where the four parliamentarians were on picket by the fitful flashes these had seen her making approach at least three of the four knowing who it was sir richard walwyn he who had the trumpet hubert and one of the troopers wearing the chevrons of a sergeant rob wild that she in turn recognised them and had been expecting to find them there was evinced by her behaviour for when she thought herself within hearing she called out cavalieries turned off and goed for high meadow house bout forty they be in all sound the signal hubert said sir richard in command to his trumpeter adding to the big sergeant ride back rob and tell captain harley to bring on our men as rapidly as possible the lightning still flashed and forked 
with loud thunder, now in quick claps, now in prolonged reverberation. But between came the notes of a cavalry bugle, in calls which, reaching the glade where Massey's men sat waiting in their saddles, caused a pricking of spurs and a quick forward movement at the command. March! Word! Most welcome to all! Meanwhile, the soldiers from Monmouth had reached Hall's house to find no enemy there, only some servants, who at first took them for a returned party of parliamentarians. But the steward, who had been detained on the way, riding up the instant after, reassured the frightened domestics. Besides what these had to tell, there were other evidences of the hurried evacuation. On tables everywhere was a spread of viands, only partially consumed, with tankards of ale unemptied, and inside the house bottles of wine, some yet uncorked. The cavalier soldiers were not the sort to hasten away and leave such tempting commodities untouched, and as their commanding officer seemed not objecting, they were out of their saddles in a trice, eating and drinking as though they had that day gone without either breakfast or dinner. The stable mangers, too, were full of beans and barley, left uneaten by the horses of the parliamentarians, to which their own animals fell with a hungry voracity, equalling that of their masters. Short time was allowed them for this greedy gormandizing. Scarce had they taken seat by the tables when a trampling of hooves was heard all around the house, louder on the stone pavement by the gate, from which came the shout, Surrender! The same voice adding, "'Twill be idle for you to resist. We are Massey's men, and fifty to your one. If you wish your lives spared, cry quarter, or we cut you to pieces." The carousing royalists were taken completely by surprise. In fancied security, thinking the parliamentarian force en route for Gloucester, and far on the way, they had neither placed picket nor set sentry, and the house being fortified, there was no exit from it save by the one gate, now blocked up, as they could see, by a solid body of horse. They were literally in a trap, with no chance to get out of it, for, by the multitudinous hoof-clattering outside, they knew the words, fifty to one, were not far from the truth. Alone, the cornet got off a foot by a desperate leap into the ditch at back, stealing away unseen in the darkness. The rest made no attempt, either at escape or resistance. They but stood, terror-stricken, to hear the threat. Speak quick, or we open fire on you. Then at least half of them called out, Quarter! without waiting word or sign from their leader. What followed, however, showed that he sanctioned it. As the parliamentarian troopers came riding in through the gate, he advanced to meet them with drawn sword, hilt outward, which he handed to the officer at their head. As the latter took it, a smile of peculiar significance was exchanged between the two, with words equally strange, inaudible save to themselves. Glad to have you back with us, Curl. Not more than I to get back, Walwyn. God knows I've had enough of Rupert and his rascals. End of chapter 44